Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm thankful for this time that you've given me with my brothers and sisters, Lord. I'm thankful for this time that you have kept us all in good health and perfect peace, Lord. And I pray that as we continue to grow, as we continue to follow you, Lord, that you make our minds and our hearts receptive to your gospel, to your truth, and everything that is essential for growth. For, Lord, we know in you it is all about forward movement. Lord, I pray tonight for a strong presence of the Holy Ghost, Lord. I pray that we be immersed in you. I pray, Lord, that everywhere we look, everything we hear, everything, Lord, that we feel will be about you and your spirit bringing edification to your people. And I just pray that no man's heart be heard tonight, Lord, that no flesh be glorified. But no confidence is going in the flesh tonight because we've got a difficult uh, topic to discuss And I'm just praying, Lord, that you just give us the ins and the outs. I'm praying that you provide us with words to speak, that people might be edified and they may understand that there is no such thing as a Christian without the Holy Ghost, that the Holy Ghost is why he came, is why you came. The Holy Ghost is why, Lord, we can do the things that we do. The Holy Ghost empowers all of creation and all of salvation, Lord. And I just pray that the Holy Ghost will guide us into all truth and righteousness. So, Lord, I just pray that the eyes of those who can't see and the ears of those who can't hear are receptive to it tonight. I pray that they really ponder and weigh the evidence that they might go as far as they can go in you and forsaking, Lord, the old doctrine has nothing to do with your spirit. So, Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention and confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every slumbering spirit, every antichrist spirit. I pray in Jesus' name that you bind at this very moment, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that all these things that we pray for and all the brethren that couldn't be here today, that you watch over them, guide them, and keep them. But, Lord, let all these things be done for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I don't even think I know how to say this word, but every time I hear it, it makes me sick. But tonight's message is going to be about, is cessationism uh, biblical? Is cessationism biblical? Okay, so before we get into this, we're going to discuss what cessationists are and what they do and what they believe. And there are many walking around today full of the knowledge of the Bible, you know, understanding lots of scripture and things like that. But we're going to find out if it's actually biblical. Okay, so let's look up the definition of what a cessationist is, because when I hear the word, it really makes my skin crawl. You know, and at the end of this study, we are going to identify who these people are if they choose not to repent and follow the Lord. So this is a cessationist. Cessationism is a view that the miracle gifts of tongues and healing have ceased, that the end of the apostolic age brought about the cessation of the miracles associated with that age. Most cessationists believe 
that while God can still still and does perform miracles today, the Holy Spirit no longer uses individuals to perform miraculous signs. So as we can see, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense because of what the Bible says. So a cessationist are pretty much people that just don't believe that the Holy Ghost can inhabit and work through people. I mean, have you ever heard a doctrine so foolish if you call yourself a Christian and all the things that you believe? How can you even call yourself a Christian being a cessationist? Because when you think about it, I mean, you know, that pretty much undermines everything that Jesus Christ stands for. But you see, there are people out there that are doing this, and we're going to find out why. They want to receive God in their minds, and they like to, they enjoy his word. But you see, because they have never pushed themselves to the place of doing what God says or, or you know, meeting the needs that the promises can be fulfilled in their lives, they would just altogether say it doesn't exist. That it, you know, well, that was back in Paul's day. We believe the scriptures, but we don't believe it applies today. But we know that the Bible doesn't say that. So we're going to go over countless examples of why this is. And I'm very surprised with the uh, website uh, Got Questions because Got Questions um, is actually in defense of cessationism. You know, and all that means is that the that the got questions people need to be born again. That's really all it boils down to. But they're usually pretty accurate with the scriptures. But they found, man, like so many scriptures they took out of context. I mean, look at this. Look at uh, the next thing they talk about. The biblical record shows that miracles occurred during the particular periods for the um, a specific purpose of authenticating a new message from God. Moses from God. Moses was enabled to perform miracles to authenticate his ministry before Pharaoh. That's in Exodus 4, 1 through 8. Elijah was given miracles to authenticate his ministry before Ahab. That's 1 Kings 17 and 1 and 18 and 24. Uh, the apostles were given miracles to um, authenticate their ministry before Israel, Acts 4, 10, and 16. Jesus' ministry was also marked by miracles, which the apostles call signs, John 2 and 11. John's point is that the miracles were proofs of the authenticity of Jesus' message. After Jesus' resurrection, as the church was being established and the New Testament was being written, the apostles demonstrated signs such as tongues and the power to heal. Tongues are a sign not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Now, this is true because the reason is, is if someone that knows you hears you speak in an unknown tongue or another language, they know that you didn't really speak that language. So it would make people that were unbelievers kind of think like, well, maybe the Holy Ghost is doing something here. But the Bible gives us rules on how we do this. It says a verse that plainly says the gifts were never intended to edify the church. Now, that is not true. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 gives a whole chapter to explain why the gift of tongues were given and the order that tongues are supposed to be. If we got time, we'll get into that. But this is an intellectual demon speaking here, trying to break down scripture that they don't understand. And this is why I tell us all, we need the Holy Ghost. We need to eventually be baptized in the Spirit to have it because the Holy Ghost is our only way home. 
He is the only way back to the Father. He is the only purpose. He's the only one really here taking care of things for the kingdom of God. So if you don't have him in your life that claims to bring us to all truth and righteousness, you will eventually start to go astray because you're going to go according to your senses and not what the Spirit of God leads you to do. So this guy says that, you know, they weren't intended for the church. The Apostle Paul um, predicted that the gift of tongues would cease. Now we're going to look at this. 1 Corinthians 13 and 8. Here are six proofs that it has already ceased. And it says, the apostle through whom tongues came were unique in the history of the church. Once their ministry was accomplished, the need for authenticating signs ceased to exist. The miracle or sign gifts are only mentioned in the earliest epistles, such as 1 Corinthians, later books such as Ephesians and Romans. Contain detailed passages on the gifts of the Spirit, but the miracle gifts are not mentioned. Although Romans... Uh, does mention the gift of prophecy. The Greek word translated prophecy means speaking forth. It does not necessarily include prediction of the future. So as you can see here, this individual, like I said, this is an intellectual demon that thinks that he studied the scriptures and now he's going to try and explain it to you. What they need to understand is this one thing, and this is what I meant to say before I stopped last. That this word, it's not good enough that you know it, that you memorize it, that you live it. It has to be a part of you. This living word has to live in you. If it doesn't live in you, then you're going to eventually stray away. This is a book of transformation. So all truth is to be brought in accordance with what God's word says. And this is why you get some people that only go but so far and then they choose to just say, well, well, I personally believe my theory on this. This is how I see it. See, for those who have been baptized, those who have gone through, those who have seen miracles take place in their lives, they automatically know that, hey, man, you're theorizing about something I know about, something I've seen. Now, I sent everybody here, I think, a video on a guy that was going against Todd White and the um, witches in the church and all this other stuff. Now, this is why the Holy Ghost is important. This guy was exposing what witchcraft looks like in Christianity and other things that were going on. He was exposing it. But the Holy Ghost wasn't quite done with him either. As we got towards the end, this guy began to say, there's no such thing as electric current or anything like that moving when God lays hands on people. I messaged the guy and I said, hey, you know what? I like all the information that you gave, but I want you to understand something. You're totally wrong about the last part. Now, I'm not saying the devil couldn't mimic Jesus Christ and try and do all these crazy things and signs. He can do it. We know that demons have power. But the thing here is this guy was ready to dismiss all miracles, all gifts, all things that God can do when I know that they've been done through me myself. So I messaged him and I'm like, oh, there is biblical proof to... to um, to lay this down and the guy was um he said well where can you find um what do you call it where do you find biblical proof that electric current moved i said man i'm glad you asked because i took it to the verses in the bible where it says when jesus garment was touched that virtue went out of jesus and he felt it now anybody that's ever laid hands on people that know what i'm talking about you know that you can feel the spirit move when things happen but as much proof as this guy brought that they were witches, he was also ignorant of the fact that 
these things can be done, that God is a healer, that God does have power and he imparts it to his people. So that's the importance of really having the Holy Ghost in your life because you don't just sit there and listen to me. You don't just listen to Gary Price. You just don't listen to Derek Prince. The Holy Ghost will guide you as people are speaking and he will tell you what is right and what is wrong. But you've got to know this word yourself. You've got to become familiar with the word of God and with the spirit of God because he will tell you when things are wrong. Nobody's ministry is 100% flawless except it's Jesus Christ himself and those that were full of Christ that did what he said. Outside of that, many people today are just following people. That's all they're doing. But this is why God wants us to get to the point of it's great to be in ministry. It's great to be a part of things. It's great to fellowship. But we must come to the place of graduating. And that doesn't mean we know it all. All it means is Christ is now your head. Christ lives in you. Christ dictates to you. And you do. The purpose for that is, is because like we talked about before, the Antichrist is conditioning the world, including the church, to get appended to personalities. Okay, when we see, when the pastor's not there, I used to be this person. I would go to church. My favorite pastor wasn't preaching. I was ready to get up and walk out. But you see, I should have been listening to see if anybody else had something to say that could have been edifying to me. But you see, when we have this type of mindset, what we end up doing is sticking to the personality and not to Christ. Okay, so God can have something for you from a homeless person. Like, remember when we went to Salem, and I, I am 100% convinced that man was an angel. Yeah. Okay, because I was sitting there trying to minister to him and talk to him. We all were. But, you know, I, had, I left that meeting kind of thinking, was he teaching me or was I teaching him? But the man wasn't the least bit impressed. He knew his scripture. We talked. And I got something from him. And when I learned that this man had, you know, the spirit, I was listening. I mean, who am I that I can't listen to? I can't be taught. So these are things why we need the spirit, because the spirit will direct you when to open your mouth, when to close it when to trust in situations and when not to. Man, that is absent today from the body. We cannot fall in love with people and personalities. We've got to fall in love with Christ. Because when he's in the midst, you will not go wrong. It is impossible for you to if you take everything to the Lord in prayer. Okay, so that's what cessationism is. These people don't believe that the gifts of the Spirit work. They don't believe in the Holy Ghost. And I mean, well, they believe, but they don't believe that the miracles and signs work through people today, okay, which is 100% garbage, garbage, though I may not like certain witches and things that I see them do, one thing I'm not going to do is say that the gifts have ceased, mm -hmm. and you want to be real careful about what you say the Holy Ghost does and he doesn't do, because as we know, the Bible calls that an impartable sin, all right, so let's go to 1 Corinthians 13, and let's bring up their argument for where they claim that the gifts have ceased, which they totally misunderstand, Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. I was going to present this last week, man. You know, like the Lord just inspired me through talking through other people. Man, this literally made my blood boil because of the fact that I don't think you can throw God a greater insult than to say that his spirit is limited. His spirit has no other place. 
Well, that was back then, but what we understand today is it doesn't happen. We're going to find out also why they believe this. Yeah. All right, so this is 1 Corinthians 13. Let's look at verse 1. And it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So Paul is making clear that he speaks with the tongues, not just of men, which is a gift of tongues where you can go to different places and then you can pick up the language. The Lord will give you the language to speak to deliver the gospel. But he says, and of angels. First Corinthians 14 later talks about how, you know, when you pray in your unknown tongue or in your, in your language, you're speaking to God. But this is important for people to understand because everyone thinks, these men think that the gift of tongues have ceased today. Because of this one verse where they claim that, you know, well, it was supposed to be like Acts, the second chapter, that when they spoke, every man heard them speak in his own language. But they got to even understand what the real depths of that really meant. Yes, they were preaching the gospel, but Jesus made clear that it would be, you know, different. So let me just continue. So he says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all miracles and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, uh, is not puffed up. Now, you know, when we speak of charity here, we're speaking of God's love. That is agape, selfless love. Verse of 5. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Now, this is important, too, because, you see, when we call ourselves loving, we've got to recognize that um, the truth is something for a Christian to rejoice in. When a Christian hears the truth, man, it's supposed to be music to your ears. It might hurt. But praise the Lord that that part of darkness has not taken over my life, that God is shining more light upon me. The problem with us Christians sometimes is we think that we're already in the light and we can't be taught anymore. This causes us to become offended in the gospel when more info is preached. But we got to understand salvation is a lifelong process where God will continue to take things out of your lives. And this is what we need to understand concerning demons is that they're nesting creatures. You know, a lot of Christians believe today you can't have a demon and be a Christian. That's a lie. There are areas in your life that the Holy Ghost controls, and there are areas in your life that may not be. We can be totally sanctified, but demons come in so many packs and sects that we truly need surgical incision of the spirit to clean us out day by day, month by month, year by year, until we become like the image of Christ. All right, so it says in verse uh, 8, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So they hold on to this and they'll say, See, tongues are going to vanish. All these things are going to happen. Now, if God didn't leave a timeline as to when these things were, I would have to tell these people they were absolutely right. But as we're going to continue to read, we're going to speak about when they cease. Okay, look at verse 9. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Okay, so that's their argument right there. So let's look at this. 
Are we perfect? Are we living in a perfect world? Are our minds and our hearts perfect towards Christ? Okay, so who's the only perfect one to ever walk this earth? Jesus Christ. And when it's talking about his coming back here, then everything will cease. What need have we to speak in tongues when the Lord will be standing right there in front of you? You see what I'm saying? So this is talking about removing the veil that Jesus Christ would eventually be able to be with you and you with him. So, of course, all these things are going to cease. You're going to prophesy in heaven? What are you going to prophesy about? You know, this is the end of the world. You're going to be with Christ. You're going to perform miracles. Everybody in there is going to be well. So, I mean, what are you expecting? In glorified bodies, they don't age. They don't get sick. They're not full of sin. So how is it possible that we're going to need the gifts of healing in heaven? That's what this is talking about. But you see, these scholars have looked for reasons to try and downplay the Holy Ghost, to downplay the gospel, because they don't choose to go any further, and they don't want you to go any further. This is where the Bible talks about how the Pharisees and Jeremiah talks about that they would make a person twofold the child of hell. Because one, they'll tell you there's no reason to desire spiritual gifts. And then two, they'll make you a vessel after them and their knowledge and not after Christ. And Jeremiah later, I mean, earlier says that they can hold no water. They become broken cisterns because if you insult the Holy Ghost, how is he going to come upon you? Right. You know, if you don't believe, the gifts of the Spirit are only to those who believe. So if your cistern is broken and then you choose not the water or the life that comes from Christ, then you just can't be worked with. There's nothing that can be done through you. So a lot of people believe, you know, that these, well, you know, let me continue. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child and I just understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth love uh, of faith, um, hope, and charity of uh, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. It is no doubt love because, you know, if you're doing things for Jesus Christ, I mean, that's going to be anchored by love. You know, you give people prophecy in their lives, you may have to stop them in their tracks and spy by the Spirit that they don't go the wrong way. But you see, these are things that God has given us to make his church complete, you know, to work with us. But for these people to say that the gifts of the Spirit are done away, I mean, it's an absolute lie. It's not true, okay? But who do you think is behind wanting the church to be powerless? Y yes, Sarah. Also, too, it's, there's one thing that it seems like they skip over in verse number 8 when it comes to talking about the gifts being done away with, and that's the word knowledge. Mm -hmm. So it's like if knowledge is going to be done away with, then that's obviously talking about when Christ comes back. But they want to say... Well, the gifts are done away with because, you know, it's well, clearly you're missing that one. They're missing that one key word that makes it evident Christ is going to come back. Exactly. But you see, they don't have understanding of this. And this is this is why it's so dangerous, like I said, to just call everybody a Christian. We, the Lord knows who his people are, but we've got to learn to narrow this gate down, just like the Lord says. It's not in us to point out. He is or he's not. But we better understand one thing. A Christian believes God's word and to the best of his ability and submitting to the spirit will live his life as a, in accordance with the word. Mm -hmm. We've got to narrow that down. I know in church, 
We think when we look to our right and our left and in front of us and in back of us, we are in the house of God and we are all Christians. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said that there are few. Well, even when it came to saving Israel, Jesus mentioned that they are a remnant. Now, I'm not saying that Christians couldn't receive the spirit and they can't grow and we're supposed to ring, ring in the harvest and everything. I get all that. But what we got to understand is this is a narrow gate. And when he says few there be that find the gate, it's not because the gate's not available to them. It's because they don't believe. It's because they still believe the gate is broad when the Lord is telling you it's narrow. Mm -hmm. So when you have a broad gate that you see, you live a broad life. And then you start to have a broad doctrine. Everybody's accepted. We're all inclusive. Just because you've got the gift of this and they don't, don't mean that they're not a Christian. Hey, all I know is what the Bible tells us we, we would need. All I know is what he tells us that, you know, it's available to us if we believe. So let's go to Mark 16. Mark chapter 16. This, this subject may not be that important to some, but it is for me, man, because... There are some people really trying to snuff out the Spirit of God. And, you know, it's important that we have the Holy Ghost. Yep. This is uh, part of the Baptist doctrine as well. That they, they'll preach everything in the Scripture. But when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're like, no, 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 that, that doesn't happen anymore. And I'm like, man, you might want to repent that. <laughs> and see, this is why the devil is slick, you know, because the Baptist... One thing I will say that many of them do, even to their fault, they study the Word of God. Okay? They, they do. Even in many cases, more than Pentecostals. Okay? But what we got to get to the place of understanding is that it's not about what you know, it's who you know. But if you are able to balance those things out, which the Spirit of God will do, then you'll grow in Christ. You know? But you've got to yield to the process of your own personal study and having the spirit. But this is what I was told when I was Baptist growing up. Pentecostals are crazy. Mm -hmm. And you know what? A lot of Pentecostals are. But what we got to understand is, is that this is not about denominations. There are no denominations in this Bible. Either you have the spirit or you don't. Right. There are some Pentecostals that have taken things way beyond past the point of things. Now you got Kundalini in there. You got all sorts of weird stuff. Happening in churches, man. And I mean, you know, you walk in the door, everybody in there is speaking in tongues. Now, if I'm a new person, Paul even warns in 1 Corinthians 14 that if you were to go in there and you saw all that going on, would you not say, are ye mad? Yeah. That you people are mad because they have no knowledge or understanding of what this is about. So when God speaks to us, you know, he wants edification to be known. So there are some that have taken things beyond the point that God intended, not following the doctrine properly. And then there are Baptists who believe, well, you know, now that I've seen them, they're crazy. So we need to just follow the scriptures. You need both. You need the spirit and the word, and they will not contradict one another. They go together. So these are the type of things that go on. But I just want to tell, tell uh, cessationists tonight Guys, you may not like what I'm saying, and that's fine because most people don't. But the thing is, is pay attention to the words and just see if what we're saying holds truth. Because they'll admit certain scriptures are true, but they feel like they don't apply anymore. Now, if we believe that the devil has power, which the Baptists and the cessationists believe, they believe the devil has witchcraft, power, do all these things. So you mean to say the devil's agents are running around with power and the Christians have none? 
Does that make any sense whatsoever? They can believe in the supernatural to the negative, but they can't believe that God empowers his people? Yes, sir. Sorry, I'm a Christian comedian. <laughs> but from what I've seen of my own self, just being raised in the, the East Coast Baptist doctrine and everything, is that a lot of Christians out there, I'm not going to say Baptist or whatever, but a lot of them out there think that, to some degree, that the, the witchcraft is like stupid or just make believe. So mm-hmm. they'll get in the Ouija boards and they'll get their fortune told and all that and think that it's just something fun to do at the. You know, at the fair, what's the mm-hmm. problem with it? They don't, they don't think there's anything wrong with that because they don't see the witchcraft behind it. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the influences coming upon their lives when they do that. And that's just that Satan's way of saying, well, if I can get them to believe that witchcraft is just, you know, stupid and some child's game, I've got an entryway into their life because they don't take the scriptures Literally, back in Deuteronomy, when it was talking about it and everything like that. Absolutely. Cessationists and Baptists, they just got this belief that, you know, when they said the word of God is powerful and quick, sharpening any two-edged sword, and it is. But, you know, you think that you're just going to quote scripture and demons are just going to run away? Maybe in some cases. But when Jesus quoted scripture, the devil didn't run from Jesus. He quoted scripture right back. Okay, but what happened when Jesus turned around in the power of the Spirit? The devil didn't fool around with him. You notice he started working through people, but that was the end of that confrontation. So, you know, a Christian should be walking in power, not just in the Word. You can quote Scripture, but that can be dead letter if it's not anchored by the Spirit. All right, so this is, uh, let's begin at verse 11, Mark 16 and 11. It says, and they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, Um, they believe not. So it says, believe not. And that he appeared in another form unto two of them, and they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, that's the remnant, neither believed they they them. Afterwards he appeared unto the eleven, and they that sat at meat, and abraded them, abraded them uh, with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not. Uh, them which had which had seen him after he was risen never chew gum when you're trying to teach I should just spit this out but I'm like trying not to choke here but you see there were people that were with Jesus he revealed himself to them he was around 40 days and they still didn't believe but why didn't they believe because of the hardness in their heart it was easy for Peter and the boys to believe that Jesus was around because they longed for him You see, so when he was speaking to them, when he appeared in another form, they were hanging on his every word. They knew that it was him because of the word, which was Christ. And what he had preached to them for three and a half years was now in them. So it was easy to relate to him. But when you don't, you won't. Okay, look at verse 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. Now that's Jesus making it clear. Go into the world and preach to every creature. So if these people believe that, you know, the gifts have ceased, then why would we even bother to go and preach the gospel is my question. Because if this was a finished work done back then, then I guess that should have been the end of it. So I guess somehow they were just going to preach the gospel and we were going to all hear it on video because if we're all meant to be disciples of Christ and do the same thing, then think about it. Then it should be after us too. 
So he says, in these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And Jesus never recanted what he said here. Jesus never said, well, there's going to come a point, guys, when after I built my first church that all this is going to cease. He says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, let's just say some of these things have never happened to us. Now, this is a touchy subject because we're all growing in grace with Christ. But if we were to get to the point to say, well, Jesus, I think you got this wrong. I do believe, but these haven't happened. You know, I don't know, because he's saying that they will follow. But you see, in order to follow, and if you believe, you have to go. That's the whole point of it. See, a lot of us can be fat on the word. A lot of us can be full of the knowledge of God. A lot of us can have the spirit filling us. But the problem is we won't put to use what God has given us. If the signs follow them that believe, if you believe, you're going to go. And that's what many people won't do today because they don't believe. This is what it boils down to. So he says, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. So, you know, Jesus, that's, these are the last things that he said to his disciples before he left. Okay, so this is the last written account. What do they call this? The Great Commission, where he tells them what they are supposed to do. And he never took that back. He didn't say, after your generation is going to cease. He didn't say, you know, don't look too hard because they're going to fade away. All he said was, you know, what he said about the signs following a believer, and he left. And they went forth. Why did they go forth? Because they believed and preached everywhere. Why? Because that was the commandment of Christ. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So as you see, it's going to take more than just preaching the gospel. Those words are going to have to be confirmed. I can sit here and preach the gospel all day and tell people what I believe about the scriptures. But eventually, I'm going to get into an arena where my words will not be enough. Where God is going to have to show up and he is going to have to put on display what I believe. That's what this is about. Okay, so let's go to... Um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. I mean, no, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, sorry. If anybody wants to add anything, they can. But this subject really burns me up because I don't like to see people of God, you know, not striving. Because you got some lying pastor telling you everything's going to be all right. Everything is fine. We need to be like Christ. I'm not trying to push the gifts or, or the spirit on anybody. I'm just saying, guys, if you really want it. You can have it. But yes, it does take a price. And that is a denial of self. That is a repented heart that is coming before the Lord that is very sincere about wanting to serve him. And when you do that, like what did Jesus say? What Would I give um, any of his people a stone? You know, or would he give, um, you know what I'm talking about. We'll go there next. But anything that we ask for, God will give if we believe. But you see, the church has been told, man, you don't need this. All you need to do is study a little bit, give me a tithe, go to church, and be a good little Christian as best you can. God wants one-to-one -one interaction with him. He wants to know about your day. He won't be offended by it. 
And you see, some people always, you know, they'll come to me and, and send me messages and ask, okay, how do I draw closer to God? What should I do? And I just tell them, well, you know, how about when you get home, you can just tell them about your day. How about getting down on your knees and really talking to him like you would speak to anyone else? That's a great start. Because if you believe that he is real, Lord, this is what I went through. This is what I've gone through. This is what's going on. But interact with the Lord. Yeah, bro. You going to say something? Yeah, are you done? Oh, yeah, yeah. Good. I was just, uh, like, we were zooming out uh, the Holy Spirit. Before the Holy Spirit was Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then before Jesus, there was prophets mm -hmm. that spoke to the people. So um, it's like if the Holy Spirit's not here now, you know, what's here? And that's the point, that God is always, like to, to capitalize on what Sam is saying, God has always put his word into the world and he found a body. What God was always looking for and what is, what is meant to be available today is God is looking for vessels. But we like to hear vessels speak, but we don't want to become one ourselves. This is where the transformation needs to take place because, you know, even before the prophets, there were kings. You know, even before the kings, there was... You know, well, you go back to prophets, which were Moses and other people like that. But this is so true that he's always put his voice into a body. Now, now God would speak to some people face to face. But remember, there was no prophet like Moses. Moses was the first to really, well, Abraham had the Lord over for dinner. Okay, so, but I'm just saying, Abraham was known as a friend of God. If we want to be a friend of God, then treat God like a friend. Treat him like somebody special in your life and you watch what takes place. You know, there was a time when I would pray and I would ask the Lord to fill me with his spirit and it would feel cold around me. And then I would go right back off into the world and doing what I want. You know, as I've been cutting things out of my life, it's interesting how when I ask the Lord to fill me, I feel like the temperature in the room go up like, man, like 20, 30 degrees. But it's almost like when I ask Lord, fill me, that you can actually feel the breath. You can feel him breathing while you're in prayer, while you're asking the Lord to draw close. And these are things that I'm just noticing because he is working. But you see, when you don't get that close to the mountain, it just seems far away. It seems small. But draw closer to the mountain and you'll begin to notice, man, this mountain is really big. The size of the mountain didn't change. Your relationship did. But it's time for us to start calling out and crying out to him because, you see, these cessationists don't want a relationship with God. They want to be religious or they'll take their relationship only as far as religion when really you can have as much as God, of God as you want. But you've got to learn to draw close to him. Amen. You know? There's also another verse that says um, in John 16, 7. Mm -hmm. In John 16, 7 it says, But very truly I tell you, it is, it is for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but that's if right. I go, I will send them to you. Amen. You know, and that's the whole point concerning this, is that we've got to be a partaker of the Holy Ghost. I do believe that many of us were baptized, that God did breathe on us, and we might have time to cover that tonight, but there are two breaths that even the Bible talks about. Do you remember when they were first waiting for the Lord during the 40 days? I believe it's in Luke, but Jesus said, receive ye the Holy Ghost, and he breathed on them. But you see, that was like the first breath. That was the breath that, you know, they would now have a, a, their, their nature begin to change. They're born again. They're really serving him. But 
The second time he breathed on them was Acts the second chapter, and from there they went out and did what was necessary. Remember, there were two rains that fell in Israel. There was the former and the latter. The former rain was for the growing of the crops. The latter rain was for the maturing of the crops. Lots of sensationists, I believe, are honest people. But you see, when you start speaking against the Holy Ghost, you don't realize what sins you're committing. So, you know, instead of saying what they we don't have or what shouldn't be today, they should be seeking it. But you see, it takes a believer to do these things. But God will breathe on you if you give God the glory, if you seek him and you believe what he says. And don't try and theorize about it. That's the biggest problem. So this is... um. First Corinthians two and one. It's he crazy. says, "It's crazy." Also, mm -hmm. you're just saying a former and latter, mm -hmm. and there's even times where there's like they'll just have they'll pray for the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Like, like it was weird because it says in chapter four they prayed for the Holy Spirit and then it fell again. That's and right. In the next chapter, they prayed for the Holy Spirit. That's and right. Fell. And, and each chapter. he's right. And each time the Spirit fell, yeah. it became stronger. The first time they had cloven tongues over their head, <laughs> the winds came through, the Spirit filled them, and they went. But the second time, the whole building shook, okay? So God was giving them what you would call a double portion, yep. all right? They're so like we babies walking. That's right. Yeah. Amen. So this is on 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 1. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. So as you can see, Paul is making it very clear here. That excellency of speech and wisdom only goes but so far. Okay, look at verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Here's another thing where the Bible tells us that we should decrease so that God can increase. Sometimes what can keep the spirit from coming is we know too much. We got too much head knowledge. We, we think that there is nothing that we need to be taught because we call ourselves scholars of the scriptures. I mean, how foolish when, when God's word is endless that you should always be in the word, you know, and learn as much as you can. So he says, man, and, and this is the great thing about Paul. He left what he knew for the sake of, he counted all that stuff as dung, his education and all that. He said, man, all I know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, when you're that empty, you know, God will fill you with knowledge, man, not of this world, but of his own spirit. But we got to get to that place of, because as soon as someone says something, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. You know, we quote the scripture. I've been guilty of that in my life. And the Lord will tell me, you see that? When I listen to some of these studies later, that's pride. Because maybe something else could have been said. Maybe there was something more I was trying to give you. That door and that avenue that could have been open that night, you just closed with your pride. So what we got to know is, all we know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, when we get to that place, then God will fill you with limitless knowledge. Verse 3, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and in power. So as these guys were talking about that they um, don't believe that those gifts are around today, that they just preach the gospel, then what is the purpose in preaching the gospel when he says right here that the gospel is only meant to confirm the power of God, to show forth the proof that you're not just somebody talking. And see, when we believe that just because someone is quoting scripture, that this person is biblical, I mean, just, all you got to do is go to Matthew 4 and Luke 4 and you hear the devil himself quoting scripture. 
So it is not about just knowing the scriptures. It's about knowing Christ. Man, that's so important because God's people are getting taken away by the false, man, when the real is right here for us to receive. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So why, why would that cease today when we don't want people to, their faith to just stand in the wisdom of men, but in power? I mean, come on. I can sit here and break down as much scripture as I possibly can with the aid of the Holy Ghost. And you guys can say, if you didn't know, man, that's, that's pretty good. You know, I never thought of it that way. But man, let a limb grow out in this room or a tumor dissolved and everybody sees it. When you see a man that is crippled get up and stand in a chair and you knew that man was crippled from birth, man, they would have to hold you guys down in here because y'all would jump to the ceiling giving God the glory. So you see, everyone can say what they believe is true and not true and those things will all be revealed in their time. But one thing is for sure is, you know, when the power gifts are on display, there's no denying those. Okay, and, and the power of the Spirit will be backed up by the Word. The Word will be backed up by the power of the Spirit. The two go hand in hand. But this is why it was done. So let's look at verse 6. How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. What does this mean? Mature. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So let me ask you, let's, uh, let's just ponder on verse 9 a little bit. How can you study that? How can you become a scholar and, as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. You're going to put that in the test tube? You can't see it. You can't hear it. You know, it can't even enter into your heart what God has in store for them that believe. Does that sound like a limit? You know, like a, you know, well, the gifts only went by so far. Man, I want verse 9 to play a role in my life. What do you mean, Lord, I have not seen nor ear heard? Tell you, one night when you got that kind of heart towards the Lord, you'll be laying in bed and he may grab you by the lock of your head and take you into the heavens and give you a vision. I don't know what God is intending to do, but one thing I do know is that he is limitless. And I know that you can't test God. You can't study God. You learn by walking with God to the fullness of your capacity, which is Christ in you. Verse 10, But God hath revealed unto them us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So this looks like we need a relationship, because it says, man, God reveals himself to us by his Spirit. The Spirit is what searches all things, the deep things of God. So you see, the Spirit is connected. God is connected to us by Spirit. Not by your knowledge, not by your wisdom, not by your charming personality. This is all about Jesus getting to know him. Verse 11, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So I want to just say this with cessationists is like, guys, 
if you don't even seek the spirit, if you don't even have the spirit, then you're not going to understand what's going on. I would suggest if you believe that the gifts of the spirit are going away, I suggest that you go back to the drawing board, take off your scholar's cap, go right back to kindergarten and learn about Christ. Why? Because you need to be broken so that you can be filled. I know that I am not fully filled in Christ. I know I've got a long way to go and I'm looking forward to the whole journey. The one thing is for sure, you can't put a cap on God. And that's something we all need to see. So he says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So see, you don't have to pay for these. All you got to do is ask and believe. Seek God. Because when you seek him, God is going to make sure that you're not going to have a powerless salvation. People that don't have the spirit are living a powerless salvation. It is time for us to ask God for what he can really give us. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Concern, uh, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So have, what does it take to get into God? You've got to have a spiritual mind to, to deal with God. If your mind is carnal, the Bible already makes clear that is the enemy of God. So you see, we need a transformation of the mind. It's amazing today when I was looking up the word uh, Calvary. When I was sleeping, the Lord just gave it to me. And it mentions like, you know, a place of the skull. You know, that's what it means. And if you guys look at Calvary, you know, you really do see like a face, like a skull face, um, like just in front of the um, the hill, you know. And, you know, I, I asked the Lord, even though we've gone over this before, you know, why were you put on a place of a skull? And it only made sense that he went to destroy the mind of Adam. He went to take away the carnal mind. This thing began with Adam and it will end with Adam fully dying and Jesus Christ living. Remember how the Bible tells us that we are transformed by the renewing of the mind. The mind needs to be renewed. The way that we think stinks, okay? We have stinking thinking. It takes God to get us to transform us unto believing God. Now, if we don't believe God, we know that that's a sin. Those are things that God considers evil. But you see, unless our minds are transformed to the place of believing God, Man, that's when you can really start to desire him and want more of him. God is interesting because believing is not seeing with God. You know, believing is knowing God, spending time with him. But here's their problem. But the natural man, that, that word for natural is the Greek word psukikos. It means a soulish man, a man that is controlled by his five senses. He receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can they know them because they are spiritually discerned. So as you can see, these people would tell you that the gifts are done away because these people are naturally minded. There is no indication in the Bible whatsoever that God had given up the gifts. But what makes people do these things is because their minds are natural. So what does, a nat what does that make you if you're a natural mind? You're an unbeliever. You see what I'm saying? Because if you believe it, you would seek it. But if you don't believe it, you won't. And, and, and the most dangerous thing of all is you'll speak against it. And that's something that we need to really think about that it's not cool. But it says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. 
For who have known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So as you can see, your mind is not good enough and neither is mine. We need the mind of Christ. If Jesus tells us that in the last days that things are going to ramp up, and he's talking about the days of Noah and the days of Lot, what things are going to be like, I mean, I mean, you expect to just walk around just with a Bible in your hand? You know, you're going to be dealing with demons full time. Pastor Price mentioned how, you know, the days of Lot, he says if it's going to be like that, that means that a husband and wife can actually go out to dinner one night, you know, and you get jumped by five sodomites and they're ready to take you behind a building and do something to you. And what he said is, and I agree, you better have some power. You better have power over demons. You better have power over the things that are against God because this is the age we're walking into. So as Christians, we can't take this salvation like it's nothing to us. You better learn to have power over demons. And the only way we're going to do that is if the old man dies so that Christ can live. But this is how serious these things are going to be. So why wouldn't we want to seek more of God? That's, that's foolishness. You're going to have giants and Nephilim running everywhere and things happening. And we're just going to walk around good little Christians, let our light shine. We better have some power. Okay? We better really seek God for what he can give us that we may stand in those times. Because the only one who's going to stand there is Jesus Christ. Let's go to John chapter 3. I think Herring Gruber said that he walked into a church mm -hmm. and uh, they mentioned, or he mentioned Paul. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't talk about Paul in here. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if they, don't, if they take Paul out, they take Jesus out, they just don't believe. There you so go. So it's like, that's, that's their own knowledge right there. Well, our knowledge is this, therefore, we can know everything else. <laughs> and see, Martin is right, because if the Holy Ghost is our only way back, if you forsake him, you end up in all kinds of delusions. Like John MacArthur is supposed to be a, a man that knows a lot, you know, Baptist minister. He claims he knows a lot. He went from believing that the Holy Ghost, the gifts have ceased, and really saying a lot of blasphemous stuff outright, to now saying you can receive the mark of the beast and still be saved. Now you say, even though you quote scripture to him and you would show him that, he wouldn't believe this. Why? Because he doesn't have the Holy Ghost. You see what happens when you don't let the Holy Ghost lead you into all truth and righteousness? When you forsake the truth, you automatically go right into delusion. When Jesus comes, like he said, when I came and you received me not, but another will come in his own name and him you will receive. These, the truth and lies have always played alongside of one another. You know, remember when, when, Mo, when um, Abraham came back from dealing with um, the giants to, to rescue Lot? Who came to see him first? Melchizedek. After Melchizedek and he talked and he left, then came the king of Sodom. This always happens. Once Jesus comes, then comes the Antichrist. You know, it's always like this where God will come with the truth. And if we receive it not, then what happens? Noah was a preacher of righteousness. After that came the flood. There was no more talking and they were taken away. You know, so... We always have to, when the truth is presented to us, let's listen to it. Because if not, then demons will claim the land which you've not allowed the truth of God to take. And that's why a lot of people are being misled. You're starting to find pastors you never thought would say things they're saying going way off course. Why? They don't have the Holy Ghost. They don't have that pillar of fire by night leading them into the wilderness. 
They're the blind leading the blind. And what's going to happen? They fall into a ditch. That's how dangerous it is to speak against the Holy Ghost. For more reasons than that, but that's dangerous enough. You know? And the Holy Ghost is such a gentleman. You know? He's always the one that's just... Man, you know how many times we've actually told him, leave me alone? Or, yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to go and do what I'm going to do right now. You know, and he'll still come back to you. You know that was wrong. You know that he gives you plenty of reason to believe. Man, you want to talk about patience. God is patient. So this is uh, 1 John, I mean, this is John 3. Let's look at verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So you got Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee, actually coming and making it clear, hey man, I may not be the most brilliant man in the world, but one thing I know for sure is no one can do what you can do except God be with him. So you see, it took more than just Jesus proclaiming he was Christ. It took signs and miracles for these things to be done. I'm not saying if you haven't performed miracles, you're not a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. What the point I'm making tonight is, don't you dare say that the miracles are not around, you know, and then try and convince other people to do it. God has his time for all of us that he's going to fill us and do what he needs to do. But we should be seeking him. It's one thing to not have it and admit it and seek it. It's another thing to say that it doesn't exist. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Have you ever thought about why when Nicodemus said no man could do these miracles except God be with him, you know, and then Jesus, the first thing he says is, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You guys ever thought about paralleling those and seeing what they mean? Because you see, a true born-again believer is going to seek God in all that he is. You're going to grow in God that these things will be made known to your life. Jesus was giving Nicodemus the first stages of what it is to, to receive God. You've got to be born again. He's not telling you, well, let me show you how I did this. He said, you've got to be born again. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time? into his mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So we know that the first one, considering the water, is what? The baptism. Okay? Now the second one is of the Spirit. Many of us have been baptized by water, which is a marvelous thing because you're giving your commitment to the Lord and you're trying to move forward. But then he says, and of the Spirit, or you can't see the kingdom of God. So it's important that we understand that there are two baptisms here. He didn't say if you were baptized by water, you know, and that's the end of it. He said unless you are baptized by water and of the Spirit. Okay, so there are two baptisms that need to take place. But if you're someone that we all know that when we've been baptized in the Spirit, what's the first thing that comes to you? You're praying, but then the gift of tongues come. Not just that. You can literally feel a breath. You can feel God breathing on you. That is God opening up the kingdom and pretty much putting his stamp of approval on you that you have broken through. 
That's what this is important because these guys don't believe this. But Jesus is saying you can't enter the kingdom of God unless this is done. I mean, you know, how is it okay that you've got the Holy Ghost and I don't? And I'm going to believe that we're both in the same boat. If you've got it, I want it. I'm going to seek it. I should be down to 73 pounds, you know, until the spirit falls upon me because I need that spirit. And I'm not pushing gifts. I'm not pushing works. What I'm pushing is, is what Jesus said is required for the kingdom of God. Now, some people will say, well, so what if you speak in tongues? So what? But you got to understand, when tongues comes upon you, it's almost like a nature really does change. Where you would once kind of be questioning whether or not you would do something, the spirit comes upon you and reinforces and empowers it. Not only do you not do what you used to do, you don't like it. You don't want to. It feels odd not talking to God. It feels weird not being down in prayer. Lord, I just want to be with you. And that's what, that's what directs our hearts towards him. So when God breathes on us, he's empowering you to live a life that only he could live. Just like when he came up out of the water after the baptism, he didn't go straight into the wilderness. The spirit descended like a dove and fell on Jesus. And then he went into the wilderness. And then from there, you know, many of us have been baptized in the Spirit, and we still don't have the power. Well, you know, what did Jesus do with the, with the uh, wilderness? He killed the flesh, and everything that the flesh desired, everything that came upon him, he got rid of. Okay, he wanted nothing to do with it, which made himself the perfect vessel for the Spirit to flow. He returned in the power of the Spirit, because he didn't just get the Spirit, he, he got rid of the flesh. And that is much of what the devil is trying to keep alive today is your flesh. The devil couldn't stop us from being baptized once or twice. But what he will do now is if I can just keep your flesh alive, if I could just keep you believing that the things of the world are more real than me, then I've accomplished my mission. And there's nothing worse than a Christian that has been baptized in the spirit that won't go forward with God. Why? Because you know that God is real. Those tongues didn't just come from nowhere. It's not something you made up yourself. God opened up the veil and he breathed on you. So if he breathed on you, then every promise that he already told you is possible if we just believe. But you see, it's the flesh that doesn't want to believe God. It's the flesh that the sensationalists, or whatever they call themselves, you know, believe that the gifts have ceased because they're not seeking God. You know what they are? They're self-righteous Pharisees. They're not even Christians. No Christian would dare say that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased if they read this Bible and they are well-versed in it. That doctrine came from hell. And because of that, people are walking around intellectual, but no spirit. I'm telling you, man, this is, this is the devil's master stroke. Yeah, you got baptized in the Spirit, but you're still in the wilderness. Because if you make it into the promised land and you cross that Jordan River... I can't stop you. And that's what the devil wants to, to stop. He wants you to be happy with what God gave you and not go any further. But you know what? There's nothing like a good old persecution to wake God's people up to do the things that God calls us to. That's what's going to sober up the people of God. And we're going to say, you know what? Let's get back into prayer. Not because I feel like it, but you know that it's meaningful in this time. So we got to be like the five wise virgins. We kept oil in our lamps. The five foolish, they didn't take oil. And I want to, you know, 
even go as far as to say that they didn't even believe there was oil to get. And that's what's so important that we've got to understand that we can have all God wants if we just believe. But the world is this veil pulled over us. Man, don't go any further. Why do that? And there's nothing worse than a minister telling somebody, tell the devil to stop bothering you. You know that you're a child of God. All right, you know, that, that's, that's evil. Let's go to Acts 19. Acts chapter 19. You know, and in your life, if you've ever blasphemed God, because, you know, I was a kid that I didn't make fun of tongues, but I believed the Baptist doctrine. And, you know, the thing that will get God to come upon you, if you know that you said some things about the Spirit, ask the Lord to forgive you. In your ignorance, you didn't know. You know, you only heard what other people have said. You thought it was funny. You didn't understand. But, you know, ask the Lord to forgive you that he may give you what you need. Let's look at Acts 19. This is verse 1. And it says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. You see this? This is today. Verse 3. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, uh, John verily baptized with baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on, Jesus, on Christ Jesus. Why they, uh, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So that tells you right there that there are people who were baptized that believed, okay? But he says, since you believe, have you gotten the Spirit? See, it's not so much that you don't believe God, but you don't believe to go any further. So that's something that God wants to do with every single one of us to get us to the place of fullness in Christ. But you see that? And what, man, let's check this story out. This is going to go even further. And all the men were about 12. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, uh, but spake evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the, the disciples, uh, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. So as you can see, Paul had to go in, try and break through, dispute with people to believe. You see how when those guys even heard that there was a Holy Ghost baptism, man, if I'm in this for Christ, because John told me to be baptized, that's why I believe for the coming of Christ. So Paul is now saying, hey, you need more? They just believed. They didn't have to argue, well, wait a minute, are you trying to say John's baptism wasn't right? You know, but they were more like, oh, there's more? Okay, so baptize me too. Let's just do this and get it over with. So you see, this is what it's all about, is believing God. All right, so he says, he spake boldly, look at verse 10, and this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which were in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks, 
and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Man, you mean to say that God can actually anoint me to bless a handkerchief and leave it there because I don't have time, I got to move on, but the presence of God is on this? You know, I mean, this is, this is the power of God. This is what God expects us to believe. Peter at one point was walking down the street and his shadow was healing people. So you see, you can have all of God if you believe God. But I don't want to just get in with the prayer language. I don't want to just get in with, you know, I prayed for somebody and they got well. I want everything that God has for me. But the one thing that stops these sensationalists, they don't believe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Lord. So there's this. It's creepy to me, but our Catholic friends say that there is one of the prophet's hands mm -hmm. that still looks like a hand, mm -hmm. and people go there and get healed and things from this prophet's hand. Yeah, you know whose hand that is? No. John the Baptist. It is. I'm not even lying to you. That's the hand of John the Baptist. See. There's a deep underlying thing that went on with the Catholics and the Muslims. They're, they're actually cousins, okay? One gave birth to the other. Catholicism gave rise to Islam. And I believe that, that, that the Muslims have the head of John the Baptist, they claim, in Mecca or in Medina. It's one of those places, but they have it. And the Catholics have the hand. But they pray and they actually believe this. And no, that's witchcraft, okay? Because the Bible doesn't say to go to John the Baptist or do whatever. This is all about Christ, all about the Holy Ghost. So I wouldn't believe that, you know, I mean, God can do anything, but I wouldn't believe the hand of a dead prophet because that sounds more like idolatry. Right. You know what I'm saying? It sounds more like, oh, the hand, let's worship it. Why do you think that God disputed over the body of Moses? Because oh, Satan was yeah. going to do the same thing. He was going to try and grab the body of Moses. See, guys, here is Moses. But you see, God meant, he buried the body of Moses because he meant for that doctrine to eventually die. And you look how they cling to Moses even though they couldn't find the body. That ought to tell you how stuck people are in idolatry. So I'm glad you brought that point up. The spirit of Samuel was in that guy when, it wasn't even Samuel's body, and the spirit of Samuel went in that guy mm -hmm. and came out and rebuked that person. Mm -hmm. So the body doesn't matter. The spirit of Samuel left the body of Samuel. So the spirit of John has left the body of John a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, yeah there's, there's nothing like in there. There's scripture that they're thinking to back up mm -hmm. why. I mean. Yep. But see, this is... this. find Jesus. Who cares about John? <laughs> I know, right? No, but it's true. If this could help them, then, you know, so be it. This is uh, verse 13. Now, this is, this is a sensationalist right here. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits of uh, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. Now, you know, there's a big difference between exorcism and deliverance. Deliverance is done by the Spirit of God. It casts demons out. Exorcism, which the Catholic priests do and others that are in witchcraft, they go into agreement with demons. Okay, don't bother this person for six months. Whatever disease you may have on them, Leave them alone for the time being. And what you eventually find is something worse comes upon the person. Okay, so they never cast out the demon. Exorcism is to go into agreement with demons. 
Big difference because one shows the authority over another. You know, when you cast out devils, what did Jesus say? The kingdom of God has come upon you. So that shows that the kingdom of God is casting this demon out of the person. And that's important because you begin to see Satan's kingdom come alive. So these people wanted to do what Paul preached. They said, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of Siva or Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? <laughs> and the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped, I mean evil spirit was, leaped on them, and overcame them, and prevailed against them. <laughs> I mean, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks, also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So as you can see, demons are only going to really obey the real spirit of God, you know, Jesus Christ. But what's funny is the demon says, Paul, I know. And I know Jesus. I don't know who you are, you know, but this is how it happens. And Pastor Price said something real funny one day. He said, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, if a demon does manifest, he said, the first thing you need to do is get out of there as fast as you can. <laughs> because it takes faith in the spirit to deal with this stuff, man. You know, I mean, you've got to know Jesus for real. Now, is this true today? I want to tell the sensationalist this story. R.W. Schombach, who is a man of God that had the spirit of God, you know, um, was a student of A.A. A. Allen. Okay. He one day, A.A. A. Allen put him in a car and said, I need you to cast out demons because I got to go and pray for people so I don't have time. So he left him in a car with a demon-possessed woman because they had a tent on the inside, so he had to deal with her in the parking lot. And he said he was trying, he was trying to cast the demon out. The demon was biting him, spitting on him and everything. So after two hours, A.A. Allen prayed for everybody. He comes back out to the car. The woman is still fighting him. And he said, man, you mean to say you didn't cast this demon out yet? He said, I'm trying. You know, the woman is like fighting me and everything is going on. So A.A. Allen grabbed the woman by the shoulder and he whispered in her ear. And he said, let me tell you something, you demon. This is A.A. Allen. And he said, you need to go right now. And that demon screamed and departed out of the woman. Now, some people would say, man, oh, so A.A. Allen's praising himself? No. The spirit of God that knew Paul, that knows Jesus, knew A.A. Allen. But that's where you want to be in Christ. When you start taking a fight to the enemy, your name will be known. And, and it's not about your glory, but it's about bringing forth the kingdom of God that these things can be done. So it can happen. Schombach, which eventually didn't learn, Schombach performed a lot of great miracles in Christ, you know, but at that moment, he didn't have the authority. You know, he was being bitten, spat on, punched in the eye. You know, everything was going on. But all A.A. Allen did was, listen to me, you demon. This is A.A. Allen, and you need to leave. But you see, once you have that, you want that authority in Christ. And that's what this is about. But you see, these guys got a beaten because they were trying to imitate instead of really knowing Jesus. They got out of there, though. But you see, God was glorified. God authenticates every believer that is of him. 
by giving us his spirit. Let's go to Luke 17. I know, man, even for me, when I'm not fasting, you can try and cast out demons all you want, and you ain't giving into enough prayer, they'll just sit there and look at you. Like, yeah, okay. You know, by what authority of you to tell me? You watched 12 hours of TV last night, you know? <laughs> but I mean, you know, you almost feel like they're mocking you to some degree. Like they'll leave it to be for a marathon or something. <laughs> you know, pretty much. <laughs> you watched all that, and they ain't going to try and come to a demon and demand that he leaves. Why? Some of his buddies are in you, you know? And that's what we've got to be, separate and believe. All right, so let's look at... Uh, Let's look at verse 11. And it says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, uh, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go shew yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. So Jesus wasn't even there. He just gave commandment, you know, led of the Spirit. They went and they were cleansed. Uh, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. So as you can see, 10 people went into church. Let's just bring this in the modern terms. But only one believed and turned back to Jesus. Only one of them truly understood this is the purpose of me being healed, and this is what I want to do. There are not a lot of believers. They were all healed equally, but only one gave God the glory. So it says, um, turn back with his voice, glorify God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God save this stranger. So, you know, the other nine could have even been Israelites just to show you that you got to stay in this thing. You can't just, you know, be halfway in because they said this one was a Samaritan. So he was actually a Gentile that believed Jesus. This was a sign of things to come. So then he says in verse 19, and he said unto him, arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So if the kingdom of God is within us, then, of course, God is going to show his miracles through us. Of course, he's going to cast out devils because we're bringing Jesus Christ, or let's just say he's bringing us wherever he wants us to go. But see, if you're a cessationalist, you don't even believe this. What is the purpose of you being a Christian if God can't use you to perform his will? I've never heard of such foolishness in my life, but this came from hell. This is the unbelieving Self-righteous Pharisees. Second Timothy chapter 3.
anybody wants to add anything, they can. So what was the, the whole point of showing to the priest? Is that what they used to do in the old uh, yeah. law? Mm -hmm. But see, the funny thing was when they went to the priest, they were healed. Right. So the priest didn't well, even have a work in right. it. <laughs> right. He was making it clear. It was believing in him. Yes, sir. One thing I've also heard as well, again, sorry, Tony. I can hear you, Tony. The whole Baptist doctrine, because it's kind of back and forth. Some people say, well, that was a time of old, and then there's, there's some other people that talk about it was for the 12 disciples or for the 11 disciples only. Because, and they, they try and use Mark 16 to prove their point, even though it says, them that believe. They didn't say to the 11 that believe, he said to them that believe. That's right. But on top of that, you got the 70 that even though he got onto them for, he said, you know, in our name are these demons, you know, they get casted out. They were rejoicing over the fact that demons were getting casted on. And even though he corrected them on that, you still had disciples. It wasn't just the 11 he was talking to. No, that's true. He didn't say, see, these signs will follow you that believe. He said them that believe. That's perfect tense. Mm -hmm. That's for anyone that picks up this Bible that believes Christ, that is willing to receive it. But I'm telling you, man, these garbage doctrines are going to hurt so many people of God. Yep. You know, isn't it interesting now that we're talking about this? You even think of John the Baptist in Matthew 11. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. You see, God always meant for us to fight our way in, and we've got to. You see, this isn't just a thing of, I'm going to pray and I'm going to start fasting right now and I'm going to make it in. If you believe, you will. But what, don't think that the devil's not going to try and stop you. Don't think he's not going to try and make you believe that there are things that are more important than fasting and prayer before God. Yeah. So this takes a disciplined life to go after Christ, to do what he says. What was the purpose of him having 12 disciples if no one else would be his disciple? That's foolishness. But this is what they believe. That's right. After. I mean, you got all these that came after, and they want to say, well, their other argument is, is well, that was then. And it's like, no, it's just a simple fact that you don't want to do it. <laughs> and that's exactly why they broaden that doctrine. And they'll say, after the apostles, after Paul, and after, you know, the church and all, all the miracles that went on, now, you know, it ceased. No, it ceased with you. <laughs> it ain't going to cease with us because we're actually seeking Christ, okay? Right. If you don't want to believe, then yeah, you're right. Stand right there and go back to Egypt. Yeah, bro. Uh, I just wanted to add, like, yeah. I was just, I felt led to this, like, Luke 11. Mm -hmm. And at first when I was talking about, like, us being good, know how to give good gifts unto our children, you know, mm -hmm. how much more our father. Mm -hmm. And then just keep keep on going, just talking about how um, Jesus was accused for casting out devils, mm -hmm. like, them looking at him, like, you're casting out, you're using the spirit of Beelzebub yeah. to cast out yep. devils. And then um, just keep on going. Like Jesus knows their thoughts, you know, mm -hmm. and then he's like, how, you know, essentially a house is the, a house that it's divided against itself so it can't stand. Can't stand. That's right. So Amen. Like, yeah, but that was just. That's a great point because, you know, that's the thing. When the false church sees what the real church is doing, they are going to falsely accuse you. They have to. And why do they have to? Because I've been lying to people for 30 years. 
when they see an old grandmother raise the dead and I'm sitting here with nothing but a Bible in my hand telling people other things, now I've got to say that's a witch. You see what I'm saying? Now, some people may think I would accuse Todd White in the same. Todd White's story is totally different. Todd White even associates with witches, okay, that does things that witches do. I'm not even going to get into that tonight. Let's leave Todd White alone, okay? Let's just pray that he repents and does whatever. But the point of the matter is, is that, you know, doctrine must be sound. We must believe God and we must seek Christ for everything that he needs, right. everything that we need. So this is um, 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, greedy, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. So does it say, you know, having a form of godliness, denying the power thereof, you know, stick around them? Does it tell you to marry them? Does it tell you to be in, you know, make this person your best friend? It says turn away. Why? Because two can't walk together except they be agreed. All right? If you're believing in the power in Christ and someone is with you that does not believe it, what will eventually happen is your faith will start to wane with them. You cannot yoke righteousness with unrighteousness. The Bible speaks against it. When you got people, pastors telling you the gifts have ceased, you need to get out of that church because those people are going to damn your soul. Amen. Another thing we need to understand is who we submit ourselves to can have big effects on your walk. I know we may think I'm only going in here because... I have a family member here, and you know, it's not that bad. Everything is cool. Be careful, because you see what the eye sees and what the ear hears and what the heart feels, okay, can vex your righteous soul, just like Lot. Lot was a righteous man that, that chose to live in Sodom and Gomorrah, and what eventually happened is Lot ended up losing his mind and loving Sodom and Gomorrah. This is what can happen to you. This is why homosexuality is such a big deal today. At one point, when everybody thought it was wrong, you know, everyone spoke against it. You wouldn't even be caught walking down the street with one of them unless you were just telling, hey, man, you need Jesus. But today, my cousin's a homosexual. How dare you say that? Because you've been in concert with them, and this is the trick that the devil is playing on people. A lot of people may love all these cessationalist pastors, but what's happening is their minds and their hearts are not turning to Christ. They're turning away from him. So where we sit, don't think of it like, oh, it's just something that I do. Man, when you submit yourself before anybody, you open yourself up to what's going on. And the true gospel is only going to lead you to one place that is seeking more of Jesus and that is getting full of the spirit and forsaking the world. Anything outside of that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anything that turns you toward politics, presidency and you know, the world and what's in it for you and what you can get out of it, that is doctrines of demons. And the reason I say that is not my opinion. It's what Jesus Christ said. Okay, so I'm just making that point. We all make little steps, little leaps, bounds, you know, stride every night, you know, crawl, whatever we got to do. But every day we are to get stronger with Jesus 
that he can lead us in the ways of righteousness. That's all this is about. I'm not asking anybody to be John the Baptist. I'm not even John the Baptist. I'm not even the kid that went up and asked Jesus, you know, Master, what are these things that I've kept from my youth and what I can have? But you see, that, that guy would have been considered a cessationalist. I believe in the fact that you said to be clean and do all this, but when the time came to follow me for more, I couldn't do it because my heart was back there with the world. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Yeah, bro. Just, like compliment that. But just further in this Luke 11, it talks about he that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. That's right. So it's like, I don't know, it's crazy just to walk this thing out and like you just thinking in love, like you're being kind and like just like trying to be a light to this person by just like loving them, you know, like, but it's mm -hmm. not necessarily like the type of love that actually is like that agape love, you know, mm -hmm. but it's like you're really just, I guess maybe using one of the fruits of the spirit that you're thinking um, is mm -hmm. like being kind, but you being yoked to this person, you don't understand like how much actually is like being transferred just through that being linked to each other in that type of way, you know, Amen. and it's slowly just sliding things into you and you compromise, you know, and you don't even realize like how being linked to a heart that is hardened like that can make you compromise, you know, but it's man, truth. You haven't said a truer thing, man, that what we yoke ourselves with, the Bible makes clear that we become one with. I'm telling you, if you got a cowardly pastor, you'll be a coward too. I'm telling you, it's just the way that it is. Wherever you submit yourself, that's the personality that you're going to pick up. When David went out there to go and face Goliath, David was a man of God. He was a shepherd boy that was with God. So David didn't have the faith that these wimps have. Those men were men of Saul. They were not men of God. They followed Saul to the battle. David came with the Lord. And as you can see, David's faith was different than the faith of those men. Wherever you submit yourself to, that's what you'll be like. There is no getting outside of that. So Colin is right. But he says, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away by diverse lust. The word for silly woman there, it means like a spiritual dwarf, not a mature woman. She's a dwarf. In other words, she gets excited about anything somebody preaches. You know, like if the guy can say, you know, I'm a man of God and I love and this and that. And oh, yeah, yeah. You know, he preaches love. That's a spiritual dwarf because you don't know the intent behind the individual. Yes, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Remember those women that were laughing and being all silly mm -hmm. about the Holy Ghost? Mm -hmm. Isn't that kind of the same That's thing? a silly woman, yeah. yeah. You know, and I mean, you know, they ain't just picking on women. They're silly men, too. But I'm just saying that he's making up here. There are silly women that they're just not spiritually mature. So it says they're led away by diverse lust, ever learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, you know, the knowledge of the truth is Christ in you is the hope of glory. The Bible tells us that many times. Now as Jannies and Jambres, which um, withstood Moses, so do these corrupt the truth or resist the truth. They are men of corrupt minds and reprobate concerning the faith. So Jannies and Jambres were two magicians that actually had real power and they thought that they could match God only to find out that they come up a few cents short. 
Okay, God could have beat them from the first time, but he was giving them a chance to recognize I'm God. But then he had to make that statement clear when he turned the dust into lice. And the Lord gave me revelation on what that meant. You can't command dust unless you're a creator. That's why they couldn't do it. Because God made all of creation, especially man, from the dust from the ground. But they couldn't control the dust because they couldn't go that far. Satan can only mimic. He can't create. So it says that these people will resist the truth. They'd be corrupt. Look at verse 9. But they shall proceed no further. You see how you only go but so far, not believe in the spirit? For their folly shall be made manifest unto all men as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, uh, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. So Paul is a man of faith. He knows that the power of God is real, because without it, he wouldn't have been alive. Look at verse 12. These are the, probably the two most important scriptures in the Bible, aside from what Jesus, the purpose of him coming before a Christian that believes. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So let's look at 14 again. He says, continue in the things which thou hast learned. All we've been talking about tonight is the power of God is real, how we need the spirit, how we need to seek the Holy Ghost and do what the Lord says. And then he says, um, which thou hast learned and has assured of. How are you assured of knowing this? Because God reveals himself to you. You see how your wisdom won't just stand in just this? From what you've seen, from what you've experienced, what God has brought to you, how he's provided and been good in your life. And these things are assuring because, you know, there were all situations we all went through that none of us could have pulled ourselves out of. So we know that God's plan is in our lives. So then it says, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. So he didn't say make you wise in salvation, wise unto salvation. Why? He that endureth unto the end shall be saved. Many of these cessationalists started out as good men. I really believe honest and well-intentioned. They probably sat upon the bad teachers. They probably ask for things amiss and the spirit wasn't poured out on them. Maybe there were things that were wrong with their hearts that they need to repent of and drop so that the spirit can come upon them. But you see, this is all about believing God, make you wise unto salvation. Yes, you are saved if you believe in Jesus Christ, but you've got to stay saved. And the only way we're going to have that is if we follow God, if we follow the Holy Ghost back to where God wants us to. I never get tired of hearing about the truth. Amen. Wherever I sit, wherever I go, if I think I know something and the Holy Ghost shows me otherwise, thank you, Lord, I'll write that down. I once believed blah, 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 but now I'm believing this. As I said Sunday, one of the false doctrines that I taught in the ministry, because that was the level of my understanding, was I thought that you can do whatever you want in this life as long as you give God time. I once preached that and I believed that. But now I'm learning 
that it is God first. It is what God wants for you, and you let him plan out your life. That is what this is about. And I've repented of that, and I've asked the Lord to forgive me of it. And I think that's why at some point conflict might have come along where people are saying, well, wait a minute, you said, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? Yes, I was guilty of that. That was the level of my understanding. As I'm growing, I always see God's people taken out of the world to serve the one true God. Why? Because this world would corrupt us. What did he say? Pure religion and undefiled are taking care of what? The widows and the oppressed and the fatherless and staying unspotted from the world. That's pure religion. So Jesus always talked about being separate from the world. I do believe that God is working with us while we're inside. Carlin and I were talking the other day, and I said, you know, it's kind of funny how, you know, that we're all, like a, a good portion of us in the ministry are involved in the education system. And I'm thinking, you know what, maybe like Carlin said, the Lord is trying to get us to get to these kids' minds in a certain way that the enemy, you know, you have a, they have a real chance and not be brainwashed in the world. But it's going to take faith to teach that. It's going to take faith to believe that. But if that's God's purpose, that's great. But we know that that's not a permanent thing because if it were, there would be no mark of the beast and collapsed economy. You know that all flesh is grass. Everything that we believe in that is important today will not be important tomorrow. How do I know this? Because God's word says so. Okay, so, you know, look at verse 16. Wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. So if they believe that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, it is that that, might, that inspiring may come upon us. Okay, and then it says, um, inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be made perfect. How are we made perfect? The Holy Ghost. Okay. And then he says, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So how can you be thoroughly furnished unto all good works if you believe that the, the gift of the Spirit has ceased? That gives you peace of a salvation and not a full one. And I don't even want to get too into this, but um, I want to go to one more scripture. I wanted to go to Acts chapter um, 7, but guys, read that in your spare time. Because the Bible makes clear that, you know, um, Stephen was letting them know, you guys have always resisted the Holy Ghost. Not just you, but your forefathers going back to Egypt. He called them ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised. You always error, refusing the spirit. And when, when Stephen told the truth, they stoned him. You see, so you get people that only want to go but so far. But the problem is they're stiff-necked. They're big-headed. Your big head can't fit into the kingdom of God because you believe that you know more. If you believe that the gifts of the spirit have ceased, then all you're pretty much saying is you're greater than Jesus Christ. I don't need the power of the Spirit to walk this thing out when the Bible makes clear that everyone that believed did. Okay, so that's what that's about. I want to go, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12. I think I might be willing to end with that, but guys, there's a lot of scripture here. There's Romans 16, 17 through 19, when it says, Mark them that cause divisions. Uh, there is... 
2 Corinthians chapter 6, when it says, Be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and God will receive us. You know, there's Acts 1, Jesus said, Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You know, there's just uh, so many here. Um, John, uh, John the Baptist said that when Jesus comes, you would be baptized by the Spirit and with fire. You know, so that tells us that we're not meant to live a powerless salvation. In Matthew 10, Jesus commanded his disciples that they should cast out devils, heal the sick, you know, cleanse the lame and do all these different things. So this is God also working. This is God's proof for his disciples that want to live after him. So, all right, last scripture of the night. Uh, let's go to Matthew 12 and let's look at verse 22. Man, God loves us. This won't seem like such a priority if we really understand what his love is for us. Man, the Lord was telling me the other day, just count your blessings. He's got me doing that more and more. And it's funny how you can only remember beyond maybe 10 years, you know, the things that God might have done for you. But when he tells you count your blessings and you dig a little bit deeper, man, you'd be surprised how your heart can just get stopped. And you say, Lord, I remember you know, when that happened to me and you bailed me out, you were there whenever the whole world broke my heart. You know, when I had absolutely nothing, but that sobers us up. I'm not reminding people of their sinful life. The Lord even had to remind his disciples many times by telling them, guys, I freed you from Egypt. I parted the Red Sea. I did these things because he wanted you to keep him in mind. All right, enough of my big mouth. Matthew 12 and verse 22. And it says, uh, Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, see, here's the cessationalist right here. They said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. This is what Carlin was talking about. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? So you might have a lot of unbelievers or people that claim to be believers try and cast out devils and couldn't. Jesus has given us the reason why. If we are partaker in the devil's kingdom, how can we cast out Satan? If Satan is in you or has influence over you, how can you cast out Satan? He's making it clear. If you're on one side, you can do what God says. If you're on the other side, you won't believe God. But there is no in between. Verse uh, uh, 26. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? But if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? So you had their kids believe in Jesus. All it takes is a believer. And that's why he says, um, therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man and then will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth not with me scattereth. 
Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, if you speak against Jesus, it shall be forgiven you. You can be forgiven. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. So to call yourself such a foolish title, cessationalist, or cessationist, whatever it is, and you know that you're blaspheming the Holy Ghost, but you're going to try and make excuses for it because you haven't sought the, the Lord enough for this to happen in your life. You're, you're not a Christian. Anyone, and I'm going to say this, and I don't care who doesn't like it. Anyone that claims that the gift has ceased, okay, the tongues are gone, the power of God is not for today, and they believe and they call themselves cessationalists and they know what they're saying. You are not a Christian. Okay, because if God gave the Holy Ghost for the will of God to be done, how can you forsake it and say that it's not true? You're a Pharisee is what you are. Amen. Verse 33, either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt for the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil Speak good things, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if you can say those things about the Holy Ghost, that's what's in your heart. If you've done it ignorantly, repent, come to Jesus, and ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit. But if you believe what you're saying, and you choose to be up under that, if you'd rather be that than be a Christian, then out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You're blaspheming God. That's an impardonable sin. 35, a good man out of a good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of an evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Now, this is where I have to question myself, you know, because there are things I get into some foolish talking during the day sometimes cracking jokes and things like that. But if every idle word is going to be judged, then I would keep my mouth shut if I truly believe this, right? <laughs> you know, think about what I'm saying here. This applies to me just like anybody else. So verse 37, for by the words, for by thy words, thou shalt be justified and by thy words shalt thou be condemned. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And what was the sign of the prophet Jonas? He's going to explain in verse 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus, remember, he went into the earth, he went into hell, he preached into the ministering spirits. And he came back up, you know, he was resurrected. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with, the, with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. So Jesus is given a clue. You can't just go after spiritual gifts, even though the Bible tells us to desire them. You can't just say, I want to do this and I want to do that. 
You first got to believe that Jesus died for your sins, repent of your sin, and that he was raised from the dead, that our God is true and living. Verse 42, the queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment, which this generation and shall condemn it with this generation. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Then he saith, I will return unto my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with him himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there in the last and the last state of that man is worse than the first, even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So he's making clear is like we talked about earlier, when the truth comes upon you, receive the truth. It is dangerous to deny the Holy Ghost. It is dangerous to deny the truth of God. Even if you know something is true, Lord, give me understanding. Show me the way. Empower me that I might believe and see it like you see it. That's a big difference than to say this isn't true. Because, see, when you say that, that spirit that might have had you at one point that God pushed away can now come back and reinforce his territory. Why? Because there's no spirit of truth there to keep him outside the gate. All right, look at 46. Yeah, Martin. Who's the queen of the south? The queen of the south was the queen of Sheba, I believe, and she came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. You know, she was from there, and she came to hear of Solomon's goodness. Solomon gave her riddles and things like that, but she was, you know, deep into him. But Solomon shouldn't have been with this woman anyways because he was only supposed to be with Israelite women. But Solomon's heart, he's another one that was given everything by God and led away by his own lust. And God told him, these women will turn away your heart. So how can we believe by being with a sensationalist that it ain't going to turn away your heart? You know, Colin is absolutely right with what he said. How can we believe with being with a Catholic it's not going to turn away your heart? How can you believe that with a Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist or anyone that wants to be a part of denominations? If you fall into religion, they will turn away your heart. That's why Jesus gave us two commandments. Love the Lord thy God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You know what that means? There's no heart for anybody else. And he will, out of his love, give you a heart towards everyone else. Okay? Your heart can only be trusted in one place, and that is with Jesus. Anything else outside of that is failure. Amen. It's folly. Yeah, but, oh, yeah, bro. Actually, I, I kind of had a question. Just yeah. like what popped into my head. You know the guy that um, none, of the, none of the disciples had seen, but he was cast out. I was out. thinking about that. Yeah, bro. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So that just popped into my head, and then I was just curious. Um, I think I just forgot, like, the backstory, but um, what was, like, the significance of that? Like, when he told them, like, he was telling them, obviously, it's not Satan's spirit that mm -hmm. he's doing that. It's got to be by mine, right? And he can't say anything bad about me right. because he's doing that. But um, is there, I don't know, is there, like... Well, the significance is what you said earlier. He that gathereth not with me is against me. He that, you know, he that is with me, you know, is with me. He does against me is against me. But the point he was making is, even if you're not so much so as a Peter or a Paul or a James, it was kind of like, you know, symbolic for a lot of things, like the Gentiles who would come and believe. It's also about people that don't have to be in a congregation to believe, okay? You know, people that can actually believe Christ may not have good churches in their area they can go to. 
That's what's coming in this age. But you know what? I read the Bible. I hear of all the things of Jesus. I believe it. And guess what? The gifts work for me too. You know? So that's what it's really about. Believe in Christ. Christ was that man's head. That man watched, saw what Jesus and the disciples were doing and said, oh man, I'm going to do this too. You know? But, and then, but you see the religion of Peter, you know, in the guys, they tried to stop him. Should we stop him, Lord? Because he's over there casting out devils by, you know, whatever. And Jesus is like, no, he that is with me is not against me. Let him do what he's doing. Why? Because he believes. You know, but so many people will tell you with their religious spirit, you need to blah, 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 or else. Now, there are some things in here like that. But if you're a believer, you're a believer. You are of the body of Christ. You've got to be born into this. You can't join this. Every born-again believer is of the body of Christ. Every religious person that has not found Christ, you're outside of the body. It's that simple. Yes, sir. And that's obviously, when you said that, that actually goes back to when uh, Moses was in the camp. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, who was it? Was it um, Caleb and who was the other one? Joshua. Joshua. Remember when the other two guys were preaching off to the side and Joshua was like, should we go tell them? Numbers God? 11, yeah. yes. Yeah, because Moses was feeling the weight of the ministry in Numbers 11 where God sent, you know, 70 elders that were prophesying, you know, trying to help Moses out because the children of Israel just wouldn't go. They weren't listening. And Joshua felt so loyal to Moses that he was like, should we just go and tell them, you know, to stop doing it or whatever? God forbid. Moses was like, uh-uh, I need all the help I can get out here because you're some hard-head people, you know? So Moses was more like, no, let them prophesy and do what they're doing. They're helping us. No, absolutely. So, you know, we're going to seal the deal with these final three verses. And if they choose not to believe, you know what? That's on them, the final uh, four verses. But this seals the deal and what Jesus is looking for, what he meant. And I don't know how they can miss this. So this is uh, verse 46. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak to thee. So they didn't even want to speak to Jesus. But he answered and said unto them, uh, to that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? See, Jesus was hardcore. Verse 49, And he stretched forth his hand uh, toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever, whosoever, whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. So that tells you right then and there, it did not stop with once Paul and the guys established a church. The spirit is here for all of us to receive. And I hope when we pray tonight, whoever prays out, let us pray that the spirit falls on God's people, those who are willing to receive it, let the gift of tongues come upon them. Let the power of God come upon them because, you know, we need this to be in Christ. Okay? God is real. His truth is real. But only to them that believe and will receive. If you don't, you cannot be a believer because you don't even believe in the finished work of Jesus and him sending the Holy Ghost that we may all be filled. Okay? And I believe... That's why if you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, you can't be forgiven. Because then you disregard what Jesus did. You disregard the Father bringing the Son. It goes all the way back to the throne that you just simply won't believe. 
So let's believe. So I just want to tell people with that, I love you. Cessationism is not biblical. There are no biblical grounds for it. Jesus never said that the gifts have gone away. And I'm going to believe Jesus and not some lying minister. So I just want to say to that, follow the Lord. So I just got a psalm here the Lord gave me. I'm going to read. For as God has created us from the time of old to be called to repentance to the Holy Spirit and be bold, so that we will put off the old man and put on the new, that in a pure vessel Jesus Christ's power will work through. The end is now, and we are almost to destruction, so we must believe in the scriptures and have sound doctrine. The power of the Holy Ghost must live, in, must live in all who believe. So when false prophets arrive, we will not be deceived. But do we long for Jesus Christ and for his life to live? A life for a life, our life to Jesus, we must give. Mm-hmm. Tried by the furnace of affliction, so we, that we are set ablaze. So we will preach the power of Jesus Christ in the last days. Philippians. That was awesome, Sarah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Which one? No, one. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making request with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So real quick. <laughs> oh man, it's good stuff. But um, just even me um, reading this thing and just thinking about where I was like, my first days, you know, like before actually truly getting into this word. And, um, so I was, I was raised in the church and everything. I had, 
you know, like 23 years of my life, like I was in church, but I literally wasn't getting anything out of it. But the thing is, me just consistently being in there and like still hearing, like that doesn't mean that God isn't still planting those seeds inside of you, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a blessing because my parents chose to grow me up in the ways, you know, and a child that's grown up in the ways of the Lord can't depart. When he gets older, he's going to return to this word, you know, and I'm so thankful for that. Mm -hmm. But just also too, looking back at the times where these seeds were inside of me, but I was continually just doing whatever I wanted to, you know, like living in the world and like hell. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Neglecting this gift. There's no way I could say I was good, you know, like that I do nice things for people. I mean, that I thought I, 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 I thought I was doing good, you know, (laughs) but you read this thing, put this up against the truest you. And then you find out real quick. I'm like, I just remember telling Derek too back in the day. I was like, I'm not gonna make it, you know. Like I'm oh, reading yeah, this thing. He came to the study. Now, he was like, man, the more I read, I'm not gonna make it. He was just marking his list. Condemning <laughs> 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 yourself. Yeah, I was reading it. I just it was a man that judges himself <laughs> will not be judged by others. <laughs> so um. Just reading that, and then now with the wisdom and understanding that God has started to reveal in me, and then I get to look back and see how God truly was there, mm-hmm. trying as hard, you know, trying. His love was there, but mm-hmm. like we said, He's a God that's good. He gives us free will, so He's not going to force His will upon me. I had to choose the partnership with that, and He revealed Himself when I asked. Like in the moment I asked, He was mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. So, um, that just gives me so much faith and it should give all of us faith and confidence that God is the one that started this desire for you to seek this, you know, and he's going to continue to do that. He's going to continue to cleanse you as long as you're willing to work it out with him, you know? So even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart and as much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So, but I would... Ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all palace and in all other places. So this is a blessing, too, like kind of like how Derek was talking about um, us being placed in the education system where people literally stand up and, I mean, pray to the flag, essentially. But um, <clears throat> it's a blessing that people that truly love God are put inside that place, you know, because you know that a mindset that is governed by Christ is continually watching after those kids. So there's many times I go into my classroom and like, I see a fence, you know, it's like, these guys are my sheep, you know, like, and I get to pour into them, whatever God wants, you know, however that looks like until I'm 
more built up and experienced in this job to be able to know exactly like, oh, this is a prime spot to deposit him. And the thing is, those opportunities are going to present themselves to you. They have. And that's what I saw today. Um, So one of my kids, actually, he was talking to me about Adams. He was just trying to understand Adams, you know, and I just kept telling them they're in everything, you know, they're in everything. And then he's like, so what about water? I'm like, do you know what everything means? You know, like everything. And then he's like, well, what about visions? And then I was like, wait, what? And then he's like, oh, wait, those aren't real, you know? I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, what are you? Yeah, I was like, yeah, say that, say that, you know? And then it, and I was like, yeah. I was like, I was like, okay, you're, you're not talking about, you're talking about like something deeper, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. I was like, okay, okay. I was like, that I don't know, <laughs> you know? But anyways, but yeah, Um. so I just am super happy, you know, and the cool thing is, like, the more that we learn this gospel, the more we sit under it, the more we're willing to seek it for ourselves, spend time with God in prayer, that it's going to transform us. It's going to be who we are. And we'll be doing things in just our sincerest action of integrity, integrity, just being humble and just continually being submitted to Christ that we don't even really know that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And this is the reason why he tells us to stay in the ways of the gospel consistently, you know? And sure. another reason too, like our conversation always being yay or nay, like consistently just having our conversation governed by the goodness of God because mm-hmm. we never know. Like life and death and the power of the tongue, we have to be careful what we speak consistently. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And this should be us. Like, Sarah, right when you said that, um, it brought me back to the scripture, you know, just that confidence, that boldness that we have in this word, because this is this is the truest thing there is. There's nothing truer than this, you know, so why wouldn't you be bold? But too, in that boldness, that's another reason why when we are in situations where we have to share the gospel or just be ourselves with people who don't necessarily know the word, we have to be willing to speak that out in confidence, you know, because those people are either going to draw back or draw into what you're saying. So hopefully it's draw in, but if it's draw back, it's for your own protection. So you got to make sure you say that. Mm-hmm. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, eh, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. So this is another thing too. Um, My reminder today, well, actually I got a reminder for worship too, but another reminder of mine today (laughs) was prayer. And then what popped into my mind was um, the scripture that tells us to pray without ceasing, you know? And there was a time where I was so hungry for that. Like, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Like, no matter what I was doing, like consistently, like, oh, I should pray right now, you know, but just like, whether it's not me, you know, there'd be times I'd be like talking to people, but still like in the back or inside here, wherever you do it, like that inner man just praying, you know, but um, I don't know when it happened, but I feel like I've kind of gotten away with that. But just the power in prayer that we've been given, you know, especially talking about the gift of tongues, but like communing directly to God and us being spirit to spirit with 
God's spirit, right? So us doing that consistently will build up our spirit. And when we confess our sins to, when we confess our sins, you know, to each other or whatever, to God, we're forgiven, we're righteous. How much more power in those prayers? Amen. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed by that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. I mean, whether you got to cut a hole in a ceiling to get healing from God, I mean, I guess we shouldn't be ashamed, right? So for to me, for, for to, me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen, right? So thankful for that. We don't have to be afraid of anything in this world because whatever kind of trial comes our way if it's going to threaten our life who cares you know we actually gain it anyway so death where is thy sting amen but if i live in the flesh this is the fruit of my labor yet what i choose what i shall choose i want not so careful of this um we reap what we sow right and that's why we continually stay submitted to the spirit and talking about fasting and things like that to Become more and more sensitive to the spirit so you can consistently hear that and know truly where you're sowing from, especially when there's a counterfeit that can deceive people who aren't as sensitive to the spirit. So um, careful for I am in a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Christ Jesus for me by my coming to you again. So this is such a blessing, this this uh, anointing over him, this desire that he has to continually stay in Christ is so exciting because he knows so many of these things, you know, he's walked this race like he, he knows where this thing goes, you know, he knows that he's going to go to heaven, but still it doesn't mean Jesus came here because he didn't want to just, you know, judge everybody and then that be it, you know, he wanted to win people into him, you know, so that's the thing with us too, when we walk around and preach this, this is our main goal in this life, not to just glory in like the benefits that God gives us, but actually winning people into this thing you know by sharing this gospel with them walking this life out and it's cool because the more people that you went into this thing you know like you're praying for these people it just gives you more and more things to pray about you know and then hey pray without ceasing i bet this whole world like somebody individually everybody that you can name or your facebook list could use a prayer you know you want to pray without ceasing start there i guess um i'm guilty of this too i'm preaching to myself by the way guys just so you know So only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Cool. Which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation, that of God, and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which ye saw in me and now here to be in me cool. so, yeah. mm-hmm. 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 
So it's just all about training ourselves to be right for the Lord. I just pray that, you know, people repent and become partakers of the Holy Ghost because without it, we've got no chance. You know? So. Um, I've got a prayer request, too. Yeah. I want to pray for the people on the East Coast getting ready to go through the hurricane. No, they're absolutely. No, they're not. It's going to just turn into a tropical storm just like it is in Hawaii. Praise the Lord. Because <laughs> you know a lot of them are man-made now anyways, yeah, exactly. so it's, it's crazy. That's but how Hawaii was. They are ready to get like the hurricanes massive hurricane. and stuff. Mm-hmm. It just became a tropical storm. Just like people prayed over it. And... Amen. Oh, yeah. Any volunteers to pray out tonight? No? Yeah, I guess it'll be me. Well, it's a request to pray for Ethiopia. There's like a, there's just a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. between the Orthodox Church and the Ethiopian Church, mm-hmm. um, Pentecostal Church and the Orthodox Church, really religious, so mm-hmm. just prayer for a breakthrough in that. They have a new prime minister that's, uh, he's like born again, mm-hmm. so he's having a big effect in the country, but we want to see more of the Holy Spirit come and not man's wisdom, you know? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Add uh, China to that, too, because the Christians there just now being, they want them to be registered because they're mm-hmm. finding them to be a threat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. China, uh, Ethiopia, and which was East Coast. East Coast. East Coast. Yeah. Might as well just give the world to God. Let him work. All right. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time, Lord, that you've given us. We thank you for teaching us your word, Lord. We thank you for the great edification, Lord, that you bring unto us that we may partake of our daily bread, that we may seek after you, Lord, and do all the things that you say. Lord, I want to pray a special prayer tonight, Lord. I pray, Lord, that the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, Lord, will fall right now, Lord, in the midst of our congregation, Lord, of our group. And I pray, Lord, for those who have not been baptized in the Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name that you open up the heavens, Lord, and you pour out your Spirit, Lord. Give your people a fulfilling. Give them a powerful salvation, Lord, which you meant for us to have. And if there's anything in the midst, Lord, that is not of you, I pray, Lord, that you remove those things out of the way that they might be delivered. I pray over my brothers and sisters in Ethiopia, Lord. I pray over my brothers and sisters in China, Lord, that are going through things, Lord. These people are on the front lines believing you, Lord, in all that you say. So, Lord Jesus, we need you this moment, Lord. Release your spirit, Lord, into the highways and byways that the brethren, Lord, may be set free. All the bands and bonds that are on the minds, Lord, of the people, we pray, Lord, that you break those shackles, Lord. Anoint your people, for you said that the anointing breaks the yoke. Well, Lord, I just pray, Lord, let your spirit fall. Let it flow like a river, Lord. Let it not cease. Let it move as a tsunami, Lord, that it knocks down barriers in our lives. I pray for the people on the East Coast, Lord. We've got family there. We've got friends. And, Lord, if the enemy means us harm, Lord, I pray that you breathe upon that spirit, Lord, that 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 storm may turn out to sea. I pray, Lord, for all those that are sick and shut in, those who believe that they're in this fight alone, those who are worried and crying about their bills, those who are brokenhearted, Lord, that don't know you yet. I pray, Lord, that you make a miraculous move into their lives, that they be set free. Lord Jesus, I pray 
let your spirit go. Keep your people, Lord, in this coming day, that they might be set free, that they may have a chance at redemption, Lord, and sanctification, that we may know what it is to truly reverence the King of Kings. Lord, let your spirit fall. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Ghost falls, not for my glory, Lord, but I believe you, and I know what you can do, Lord. Lord, place your anointing upon your people. Lord, let us learn to pray without ceasing. Let us have no fear of the enemy, Lord, for he is a defeated foe, and he can do nothing to the people of God. But Lord, if we just believe, if we only believe, if we seek you for the things that you tell us that you will give to all them that believe, Lord, give us believing hearts. Give us hearing hearts. Give us hearts, Lord, that love and desire you that you might do what you need to do in us, that we can end this disgusting, Lord, and stinking world, that we fight a good fight, that we finish our course, that we keep the faith, because, Lord, there is no other way besides you. So, Lord, I just pray and I ask that you turn your people away from the world and that you turn them unto you. All things, Lord, that we think are so real, Lord, they've betrayed us in one way or another. Well, I pray that you shake us, Lord, with one hand, that you sober us up and you comfort us with the other and breathe on us, Lord, with your spirit, that we may receive a double portion, that we may receive the latter rain, that we may receive power for after, Lord, you said the Holy Ghost has come upon us. So I just pray, Lord, and I ask that all things be done for you, Lord, and for your glory. Let your presence ring loud, Lord. Let these ministries grow. I pray for my brother Sam and Deborah in their ministry, Lord, for what they're dealing with concerning the youth, which is no light matter. Let your spirit be upon them. Let great boldness be upon them. Let them have a word in season that they might be able, Lord, to ring in more of a harvest, that they get these children's minds focused on the goal so that the enemy will have them not. I pray, Lord, over my sister Franca, Lord, who is new in the ministry, new in the body of Christ. I pray, Lord, that you just give her everything that she's going to need. Let the Holy Ghost fall upon her, Lord. Let her open herself up to receiving the truth. And let her want and desire you above all things, that you may make her path plain and clear and keep her unto the coming day. I pray for my brother Carlin, Lord, and everything going on in his life. Lord, that you continue to work with him and do all that you need while he's at work, Lord, that the devil not have control over his mind, that he keeps the mind of Christ, that he may remain faithful with what you have given him, for he also has the minds of the youth that need to be delivered. So, Lord, pour into his spirit, Lord, with great boldness and wisdom, for he that winneth souls is wise. I pray for my sister. Anna, Lord, with everything in her life, I pray over her family, Lord, and her mom that's sick. I pray over her siblings, Lord, that they may stay strong in the faith. I pray, Lord, over her relatives that I'm sure that are also in Russia, Lord, that you watch over them, that you guide them and keep them, that you give her, Lord, her purpose in life, that she may pursue you, Lord, and nothing else. I pray, Lord, for my sister Sarah with all that's going on in her life. I pray that you bless and you heal her broken body, Lord, and all that she's dealing with. I pray that you give her great boldness, Lord, that you give her the desires of her heart and that you keep her from all hurt, harm, and danger that she may remain faithful. I pray for my sister Laura. 
Lord, and whatever you've got for her in her life. Her and Martin, Lord, are a giving people, Lord. They care about people. And you have blessed them, Lord. And I just pray that you direct them in what way you want them to go with their things and their matters, that they might remain faithful. I pray for any homosexual spirit, any spirit that tries to come up in there, Lord, and cause them harm because they mean them no good, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that you bind them, Lord, and that if they do step foot into that place, that they will become sanctified, born again, and filled with your spirit. I just pray, Lord, for the gift of salvation, Lord. I pray for the promise that you said that every man and woman will have if we just believe. Lord, I pray and we ask that all these things be done for your glory, Lord, and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.